Hey, welcome to the In Between Podcast, a place where I, Ayik, and friends unpack our experiences as Africans in the diaspora, figuring out our faith, love, finances, and everything in between the now and the next. Hello, beautiful people. You okay? You are right? How are you doing today? My name is Ayik, and you're welcome to the In Between Podcast, by which in which I host... <laughs> If you're just joining, welcome. If you're returning, thank you so much for coming back. I missed you last week. To be honest with you guys, we have to go back to the bi-weekly thing. Make a no lie for you. The weekly thing works, but it's like, <laughs> before I look up, it's already Thursday. Like as I'm recording this, it's Thursday and the podcasts go up on Fridays. So um, right now, until we wrap up this program in August, we're going to go back to bi-weekly. I know, I know. You're going to have to think about me for one whole week without hearing my voice. Well, hearing new, my new thoughts, because you can honestly listen to my voice again. If you miss me, just listen to the previous episode. Listen to like 2021 when I was obsessed with code switching. Like every other word was a Nigerian accent, British, French. You have options now. You know, you have things to work with. Don't miss me too much until you hear from me again in two weeks. Uh, I am on Instagram. Um, at Aikintekum, if you don't know how to spell my name, that's E-Y-E-K-N-T-E-K-I-M. Follow me. Let's connect. Follow the um, podcast Instagram that needs to be activated. It is active, but you know what I mean. I've been doing all kinds of stuff on Instagram. Imagine like, let's say seven hours of what I talk about here in some way or another on, <laughs> on Instagram, on my Instagram stories. So how have you been? Since the last time we spoke, a lot has gone on. If you're from Nigeria or West Africa, you're keeping up with what's going on in our part of the world. I'm sure you heard about Hilda Bassi and her Guinness World Record. She set a new record, I think 100 hours of cooking. <laughs> if you saw my Instagram yesterday, you already know where I'm leading with this. Um, they sent her the, the plaque. She is the Guinness World Record holder for longest cooking time. From my understanding, I think you ha someone has to wait a year before they challenge it. But, but, us being us, by us being us, I mean Nigerians, we like crews. We just like, hey God, I don't even know how to explain us. A young, beautiful, because she's very beautiful girl, she's probably like 19 or thereabout. Her name is Chef Dami. Although some people are, I don't know if she's chief or chef. I've been seeing Chief Dami. I've been seeing Chef Dami. She decided she was going to give it a go and she gave it a go. She said her goal was 120 hours. A lot, a lot happened. She's from Ekiti State. Ekiti State is a state located in Western Nigeria, like 99.9% .9 Yoruba, like most of the Western Nigerian states are, in case you're not familiar with our geography. She's a student, mass communication student, um, apparently active in her church and apparently it's her church that put her up to this. I s <laughs> guys, I saw the cooking. A lot of us did. I saw something like plantain chip and pepper sauce. I think that's plantain chips. I saw fish pepper soup, but the fish was, I don't know if it's toy fish or what. I saw spaghetti because that one is not spaghetti. That one is spaghetti like palm oil spaghetti and like there is palm oil spaghetti i've made it it tastes really good it's possible but it's like maybe she i don't know 
she sprinkled palm oil at the end I, I don't know let me stop playing with her she you know the re my honest thoughts on chef dami is she's enjoying this time like she's getting attention on the internet that's what she wants but what i find most entertaining are her pleas for support so she has realized that due to her status she's going to need security she's going to need equity state too what do we hear about equity state is there something i'm missing what do we miss what is the, what are the crime rates in a place like that very lush and beautiful state by the way i discovered through all of this stuff if i had not been following this chef dami thing i wouldn't have known how beautiful ekiti state is because me i'm always hyping my paternal state that wow we have beautiful landscape but ekiti is beautiful so she's doing one thing you know maybe she shouldn't cook maybe she should see how she can work in the ministry like be an ambassador or something for the state to promote the state because she even says at the beginning of a few of her videos like hi my name is Demi Lola this is this from a kitty state she's doing good things for her state maybe she should focus on that anyway it's the support videos so she did one support video I mean she was speaking here about I'm speaking her dialect, but I could pick out a few things. And basically she was saying that like, if you want to give her financial, cause really when she's saying support and honestly, as Nigerians, when we're talking about support, we're really talking, talking about money. So she says, if you want to support, give something tangible, give something sizable. Like what you guys are giving is not even enough for me to hire soldiers for me to pay for soldiers to protect me. I saw the soldiers party city soldiers you know like the uniforms you get for halloween or something i mean it was like 12 sizes too big come on be so for real even the car that she that pulled up to pick her up after her press conference that i think she may have done in her church office it was an uber like come on babe now you know you know that was taxi like be so for real but um on a serious note though she's young she's enjoying this attention and the vibe she's enjoying the cruise and we have to give her that i mean <laughs> I wonder what she's going to do long term. I wish I was joking when I'm when I say that she really needs to co connect with the Kitty State government and see how she can be, you know, how she can stand out for them because whether we like it or not, she's getting attention. You know, people are saying some wild stuff. People are saying supportive stuff and I just see like she clearly has love for her culture, she has love for her state, like she's proud of who she is. So, girl, get to this if you don't go to the ministry now today and and stop this your cooking thing because she now says in one of her press conferences that her cooking she'll cook for 150 hours and um again asking for support um for sponsors and things like that but then there was one <laughs> there was one thing where she said she's not even really a chef she's she's not she's not a chef she admitted that she's not a chef so that i think that's when it went from chef to chief dummy because I don't understand. And people are just having a field day on TikTok, on Instagram. Jay on air, who is hilarious. I mean, he's just so spot on with his depictions of a lot of things. He started the whole like, um, or he was one of the early people. I don't know if he started it, but one of the early people. Because during her first challenge, she was dancing. I mean, she's got some moves on her, kind of. So they were like, basically dancing like her. Like he got apron everything now go on tiktok a few days later there's a challenge chief dami dance challenge so again she's getting the attention milk it girl milk it milk it milk it milk it milk it just do what you gotta do and get your coin i don't think people are donating anything i don't i don't think she's getting much coin because no one's taking her seriously but i feel like she can make this into something serious i mean when bob risky started were people taking bob seriously i mean bob was entertaining 
but was Bob like I mean come on even you 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 that you're listening were you taking Bob Risky seriously initially I know I wasn't so let's see what she'll do she's young impressionable people I mean clout is a drug as they say so let's see how she 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 does with it that cookathon thing that she's talking about I doubt it's gonna hold I don't think it's gonna hold but again she should enjoy this time see who she can connect with because I mean I'm sure her follower account is going up and things like that if she's if she has an account I mean BBC Yoruba hey let's be realistic here BBC Yoruba after her first attempt interviewed her so come on let's let's be for real here um what else what else is interesting going on guys nine weeks until I'm done with my program so excited to be done what else i'm trying to think what else is interesting what else have i been seeing well the nine weeks until my program ends is not on social media but um what else interesting have i been following chef dami has been she's just been taking over i mean i'm looking for any opportunity or outlet to laugh these days so ciao i was tracking the chef dami thing what else is going on? I'm hearing some things about this Titanic. I, you know, anything with cruise ships after that COVID, you know, the COVID cruise ship thing in 2020, I'm good. I'm slightly, I wasn't on the, the cruise, but after watching the documentary about the cruise, I'm like, you know what? You guys got it. Anything has to do with cruise ship, just, I don't really want to hear much about it because it's just always something. It's always something with these cruise ships and I want to know why. What y'all got going on? Is this like, what is it called? Um, population control? Is that a part of the cruise industry? Because it makes zero sense to me. <laughs> yeah, well, let, let me see what I've been I've been um, tuning into. I've been watching a lot of vlogs. I, I've been watching vlogs, a lot of vlogs of Nigerian vloggers because, yes, I miss Nigeria. I do, I do, I do. I've been listening to, yeah, a lot, watching a lot of vlogs of especially Lagos because if you don't know, that's where I lived. And then there's this song. I have to, don't think I'm allowed to sing it for copyright reasons. It's called Forever Sweet by this guy named Dottie the Deity. When I tell you he ate, like you need to listen to that song. That song has been on repeat. He came up with the song last year, but it kind of went viral on TikTok recently. That's my summer song. Whether I marry a Yoruba man or not, that song has to be at the wedding. But if I marry a Yoruba man, it'll be even better to dance to that song. Love, love, love that song. I've been curating my my summer playlist. I'm not really into the secular music as much as I used to be, only because I don't know if it's age. I don't know what it's about, but it's just like, I don't understand. I'm not, I'm not getting it. Even like secular Afro beats. I'm just like, huh? Ooh, what is this? What is this one saying? What is that one saying? In a way that I feel like my parents. But I don't remember my parents being this young, especially my mom. I don't remember her being this young and already questioning, like, what is this music saying? <laughs> but that's where I'm at right now. So I've had to do a little bit of a search, like, what's, you know, some good gospel Afro beats and stuff. And I say gospel with hesitation because... Just because somebody's singing about Jesus or singing about God does not mean that, you know, we don't know the inspiration. So I think also with that, I'm even kind of like, you know, hey, Holy Spirit, what is this about? I've seen some gospel music songs where they've had video vixens, like, and I wish I was joking. It's like, this is a gospel song. You have some model, like video vixen. I mean, she's dressed in like, 
think it's called Oleku. Like, you know, the short rapper and the top. I, only Yoruba. People who are familiar with Yoruba culture will understand what I'm saying. She was wearing that, but like, why do you need a video vixen in a gospel music video? What is this about? So even with that, we take we take everything with a grain of salt. But I just I'm just trying to listen to things that help my psyche, help my perception about love and life and things like that. So any positive song, which is why I like Forever Sweet. I like Johnny Drill. Like anything that just makes me view love and life and myself and stuff in a positive way. That's what I'm leaning towards, y'all. Consider that. Consider doing that yourself. Um, I think summer started officially in America yesterday. Child, I had on a sweatshirt. It's cloudy. It's cold today in New York. I'm going to wear a sweatshirt to go to class today. I, I'm curious when the summer's going to hit, but shout out to climate change. Shout out to you, girl. I don't know if I'm being serious or not. I mean, it was like 60-something degrees Fahrenheit. But first thing in the morning yesterday, it was like 50-something, like high 50s, low 60s. And it was when I went to class yesterday, my one of the teachers is like, oh, happy summer solstice. I said, what's, what's that? He said, oh, it's the first day of summer. I'm like, oh, it didn't give that. It didn't give summer, babe. It gave winter. <laughs> it gave spring. And then happy winter to our friends in South Africa and the Southern Hemisphere. I think winter, wait, so has winter started yet? No, I think winter is well underway, right? Winter should be wrapping up soon for y'all. Or is it until October? Anyway. Hope you guys are staying warm and doing well. I went to Tribeca. So one of the um, screenings I went to, my teacher, actually his his documentary was in um, the in the festival. So he gave us tickets and there was a Q&A after. I couldn't stay because I had to work. But I went again on, on Sunday because, you know, you can't, you're not going invite, to invite me to a film festival and I'm not going to find a film about Africa and not watch it. So this film... Oh gosh, let me get the name because you guys have got to see it. It was about, um, it was a documentary. It was about this, it was, it started in 2019. They started filming, it's called Between the Rains. So they started filming, I guess in 2019, right before the pandemic. There's this young boy, his name is Kahlo, if I'm not mistaken. And let me just read you the synopsis. Documenting the Turkana Ngaremara community, they're these are they're in northern Kenya, their tribe in northern Kenya, um, as they contend with prolonged drought. This visually stunning coming of age story follows a young orphan man's journey to adapt to radically changing climate conditions in northern Kenya. Kole, he's the film's subject. He's who's the story's about. He has to deal with personal tragedies as well as tribal conflicts. So the Turkana people are marginalized within their region and in Kenya in general to the point that the director, who's a Kenyan from the north, said that there are some people who don't even know about Turkana tribe. They don't even, they, they may have heard about it, but thought like they don't exist. So they're one of the tribes or one of the, and for people who are may cringe at the word tribe, that's how we refer to ethnic groups. Like it's not. There's no negative connotation unless you guys make it into one. But we refer to ethnic groups as tribes. A lot of Africans do. So anyway, this tribe was one of the tribes that fought against British, colon you know British colonization, and um, so in retaliation, the colonizers pumped the surrounding tribes with guns and weapons, and um, 
these people are fighting every day to maintain their livestock, to maintain, yeah, to maintain their livestock, to maintain their tribe, like their people, because these, these issues with livestock get violent. And these people are like, oh, well, we want to get rid of these people anyway. So it's passed on generation, generationally, the tribal conflicts are, are being passed down. What I liked about this film was, first of all, it was directed by Kenyans. I mean, almost everyone was Kenyan, the producers, the director himself. I mean, he co-directed it with the cinematographer, who's a white guy, but they definitely did. How do I say this? They they definitely did some, some screening on this guy before they brought him on board. I can tell. Of course, with these kinds of documentaries, there are going to be a lot of white people and just people with um, a Western mentality and superiority complexes. And the director was very good. His name is Moses Thuranirab. He was very good at addressing them. So one guy raises his hand. First of all, the guy who was sitting next to me, the entire Q&A, he's on his phone. I don't know what he came there to do. You know, the earthy, not even earthy, like, you know, like trust fund earthy. Like the guy is so rich, like clearly rich. But anyway, He's on his phone the entire Q&A. And when I go to these spaces, I already know to expect a whole lot of white people, especially when it comes to that Kenya. Hey, Kenya, Uganda. Trust me, that place will be full of white people. So um, this guy raises his hand and he's like, how do they get access to the weapons? Like, you know, how do they afford the weapons? Is it like a barter system? Do they trade animals? This, this, this. And Moses was like, well, first of all, these are how the weapons came into that region in the first place. They were given by the British and are still being provided by Western organizations that want to keep those groups that are anti-imperialism, you know, keep them under wraps. Everybody was silent except for me. And there was this lady behind me. We're like, mm -hmm, yep. And is, I mean, we weren't saying it like that. I could hear her like say like, mm, and you tell like, and then he goes, you know, they were very adamant about getting funding within Kenya within African organizations because he knew that if he relied too much on like Western organizations, they were going to try to control the narrative and make it into some cookie cutter experience or situation that it's not. And he just wanted to tell the real story. Mm. So there was that there were questions about safety. You know, one thing I've noticed, I don't know how to say this nicely. I don't think it's me what I'm going to say, but some people might take it the wrong way. There's, there's like a savior complex when a person is white, but you know, black people from America can have some kind of savior or superiority complex about Africa or Africans. Even if you're interested in the culture, even if you're like a part of it or whatever, because there's that American factor, that's Western, that Western factor, sometimes mm. it comes out. And so a few of the questions, I was kind of annoyed, like two black women asked questions and it was almost like, how is the safety there? Like, were you not worried? This is this. I'm just like, first of all, did you not watch the documentary? Did you not hear him just answer the question? And it's, I've been meaning to talk about this. So, but yeah, those kinds of things, I think we need to like look into how, how those things come off, but I understand where they're coming from. Because again, even Nigerians who grew up in the West, even Africans, a lot of West Africans or Africans who grew up in the West, when we go back home, we sometimes have these complexes, a lot of times have the complexes. So it's the Western factor. So I'm not just saying specifically about like African Americans or like Caribbean Americans or whatever, even us Nigerian Americans and stuff, we can have it too. But it just, 
as I was as I was saying that I just remember the whole Detti December thing. A lot of people who went to Ghana specifically had a lot of like strong opinions and strong thoughts about Ghana. I will never forget this lady. She went for a class trip or an exchange trip or something that she chose to the entire vlogs. She's insulting Ghanaians, insulting Ghana that it's dirty, even though like Ghana is one of the cleanest countries. Accra is one of the cleanest cities. Even Lagos is cleaner than this New York that I'm sitting in. Rats be chasing these kids down the street. But anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, again, it is that Western society, Western complex, but it's also the idealization. Because we see things like coming to America, we watch Nollywood growing up, right? We have this idealization. And then we also just expect everywhere in the world to look like America. That's why I say it's a very American thing. Americans can go to a homogenous society and expect people to speak English. We have this thing, and I say we because yes, I do have a blue passport. We have this thing, this assumption. Um, and if we're not at a place of unlearning it, if we're not at a place of like working through it, it becomes problematic and it has the director of a documentary using style to drag you. But I was like, <laughs> he was keeping it real. I like that realness. I spoke to him after the, the festival or after the viewing and I'm the screening. I'm like, no, you kept it real. I respect you because it's not easy. You know, when you get into these spaces, sometimes you feel tempted to fold, but to stand like, like 10 toes down and say, this is the truth. This is the reality of our experiences. This is what it is. No one is going to voice these experiences for us. I love that. Give me more of that energy. Let's do more of that, guys. There's nothing to lose. We stand nothing to lose if we hold people's feet to the fire. More tactfully, as I get older, I realize being more tactful, but still getting the job done. And, you know, sometimes you don't even have to be tactful. Sometimes I just say it as it is. And it's silent. Like, the whole place is silent when I, you know, do my thing. So yeah, that that was those are the interesting things going on or the interesting interesting things I've experienced recently. Um yeah, please watch Between the Rains if you can. I think it's still you can still watch it online. On Tribeca, you can buy like an online pass. There was also a documentary about these ballet dancers in Lagos. Oh gosh, I forget what part of Lagos they're from. It's a ballet dance troupe. And they have boys and girls who are just passionate about dancing, specifically ballet. They're trying to take their dance group around the world. You know, black ballet dancers, black children who are ballet dancers. It's, it's a thing. I think they only had like one screening of it. And but I, I think it's online as well. So a lot of a lot of good things to check out. A lot of wonderful things happening. I mean, they've always been wonderful things happening. But yeah. That's what I've been up to. Uh, today, 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 today. Let me take a sip of my water. It's 62 degrees Fahrenheit. I just, I'm just looking at the, at the, um, what's this thing? Forecast. This is the fakest summer I've seen in a long time. What's that? 62 degrees. Ciao. Anyway, today I want to talk about validation and how validation is for parking. I'm sure we, if you're on the social media, if you're on the boss, babe, wellness growth sphere of of instagram or social media and if, if you've been for a while you've seen that quote i remember the first time i saw it was i was maybe in my early 20s and i was like yes like you know save the picture and everything screenshot it held on to it did not think much of it thought i was you know you you think you're living it but you're really not living it like i'm like yes validation is for parking 
and then spending hours trying to explain why I made the choices I made in my life to people. So we're going to talk about that and a lot of stuff. But I want to talk about moving forward, first and foremost. The way that my mind works is so it's it's a thing of like upbringing, culture, and I think just who I am as a person. I think about the past a lot. In some ways, I idealize the past. In other ways, I'm like, dang, that was messed up. But I think about the past a lot. And as I'm trying, as I'm working through this healing journey and like making progress, thank Jesus. First of all, I think March makes it two years since I've been in therapy. Shout out to my therapist, the queen. I'm not going to give her a name, but that woman is the queen. And she's an evil woman. She's from Abia State. So it's like we understand each other. I was raised by Igbo women from Abia State. Like, that's what I know in terms of, like, maternal upbringing. I think I've said this before. Yes, my aunts from my my paternal side were around a lot, but, like, day to day, it was Igbo women who raised me. So, um, oh, and one Yoruba, my uncle's wife, yeah. But the heavy presence is Igbo women, from specifically from Abia and Imo State. So they're just what I'm used to. So, um, yeah, anyway, shout out to my therapist. Anyway, anyway. Moving forward, moving forward. I think about the past a lot, but in this healing journey that I'm taking or this walk that I'm taking, I've realized that like, yeah, I'm dwelling in the past, but I'm also repeating or wanting, not repeating, wanting to repeat certain cycles that I'm used to, but are just not healthy. So this is the kind of person I am. If I love you, if I like you, you can do no wrong. Even if, okay, let me, let me say it like this. If someone says, hey, so-so-and-so shot someone, to that person, I'll be like, what did the person do? But when we're one-on-one, I'll tell them, I'm going to report you to the police anonymously. Do you know what I mean? But I stand 10 toes down for the people that I, I love and care about. Painfully, even if they don't stand 10 toes down for me. So when I sense that like they're really not feeling me, they're really not for me, they, in my experience, a lot of times don't know how to tell me, hey, this friendship is not working. Hey, well, I'm not feeling this. A lot of times they tend to get passive aggressive and I, being me, ignore it. Even though I know it's messed up, even though I can see it, even though sometimes God will literally tell me in my dream, like, hello, like, no, I don't, what, what other friend I have? I've known this person for 12 years. I've known this person for 15 years. I've known this person for two years. Don't you remember when, when they were there for me for this, this, and this? No, no. I don't a lot of times get to have like final conversations with people. And again, I think it has to do with upbringing the way. And I think it's a culture. It's a cultural thing. We don't address, we don't communication. I think we're working on it now, but like a lot of times healthy communication was not a thing. It was a thing of like, everything is under the rug until there's that one blowout and then nothing gets solved. So that's why sometimes like, that's the way that I deal with things like, let me just chest this one. Let me chest it. And then when I go off, they're like, what? But I'm like, it's a compilation of like the past 15 years. Like it's a compilation of all these years, all of these offenses. When I could have just been like, hey, you know, I was not really feeling that. Or, you know, I think that this is in this and this. I'm a strong willed person. I'm, I'm very, I'm direct in a lot of ways. But when it comes to the way I feel, like my emotions, it's a challenge. I was just thinking about it a few weeks ago and I was laughing to myself that I talk. See me, I talk for 50 good minutes. As we're talking now, we're already 30 minutes and I can talk. But talking about my emotions and the way I feel is very difficult because I think a few things. It was a pride thing. Pride has a lot to do with it. 
um, and not wanting to seem weak or appear weak. But then also there's that fear of my, my emotions not being validated. If you've not seen me in real life, I'm dark skinned. I'm tallish. I'm like five eight. You know, the Guiana. You know, I'm not. I'm not petite and this and that. Yes, I'm. I'm visibly feminine, or what people will consider feminine or girly or whatever. But to society, I'm uh, aggressive when I say how I feel. I'm angry. I'm doing too much. Um, my wahala's too much. You know, people tell people tease me and call me lioness or whatever. But they're saying it in teasing, but they're also saying it in like you're too much. You're too strong-willed. I've had people tell me, you're doing too much. You're asking for too much. You're aggressive. And it really didn't matter the approach that I expressed my emotions. If I expressed it in like frustration, like, ah, if I expressed it via text, it's just one, you know, people being people. Um, so I think that's what made me just not express my feelings, express like the way I feel and, and you know, have, have conversations to deal with issues. So that translated or translates into like a lot of friendships specifically that that ended or relationships or like, let me not say, even relationships, yeah. Like I find myself thinking, gosh, I wish I could have been able to have a parting conversation with this person. And, you know, I hear the thing of like, is that person reasonable? Are they reasonable enough for you to have a parting conversation? I don't know. I've never tried. Um, I think there were things that led, led up to like breakdowns and things but there was never like a conversation and I think the people the people on the other end of it know that so I say all this to say this yes if I love you it's hard for me to let go it takes a lot and it's like even if I know I have to do it today's Thursday if I know I have to do it today I can take up to like three years to do it unless you do it for me sometimes it's easier for the person to wrap the thing up or wrap the friendship up or wrap the relationship or whatever you know relationships are an exception I have to have the last word that one no 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 I decide when it's over <laughs> like it's my no it's over when I'm ready but no even then you know what I mean it's never like it's not like sealed you know tied with a bow it's just I don't know like a ziploc bag or something or or like some plastic bag with holes in it that's how I navigated friendships and relationships. And people know that. People know that about me. You know, people who get close to me know that about me, that I'm loyal to a fault. And not even loyal. It's like, I've known this person. How would I just fashy the person? Like, come on. And then also, you know, toxicity, like the norm. I mean, it is what it is. And I'm I have, you know, my toxic traits too. I be doing that toxic thing too. So it works. And they know so much about me. Um, those are the kinds of relationships I had. The reality of the situation, a lot of my relationships were trauma bonds. And that's what I attach to. People who have been through trauma, people who have been through hard and tough things, people who, if they tell me, oh yeah, my parents were like this, I'm like, oh yeah, mine too. A lot of those people may not be at the place where they're ready to heal and move forward. And um, those were the ones that I gravitated to the, the most because I guess I wasn't ready to heal and move forward so I had to have an evaluation process of ah, what's going on this is not working anymore as in sudden sudden endings to friendships like today we're good tomorrow it's like a complete breakdown those are the little indications and signs to me that like listen it's time to look into this what is going on 
Now, I'm the type to pray that prayer. I pray the prayer, Lord, like whoever is not meant to be should go. And, you know, one thing about God, he's going to be like, okay, you got it. You got it. I remember I was in a relationship and um, I said, Lord, this relationship, if it's not what you want, even though I knew it wasn't, like scatter this thing. I think 15 minutes later, we are cussing each other out like, so yeah, um, my point is this. I'm used to a certain type of friendship, a certain type of relationship, because I thought that it's one, it's better than nothing. Two, I've let these people close to me. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to try again? And three, it's like, this is the norm. What if I'm not nice enough? Remember, like you remember you're aggressive. Remember you're, you're not, you're not nice, which, you know, I reject the spirit of niceness. I don't want to be nice. I want to be kind, but like, you know, these are the people that understand you because we're alike, like we're like each other in a lot of ways so but when it gets to the point where like even the people that you're familiar with or they're familiar spirits really the people that you're used to or the people that you gravitate to before like they start leaving or you start like saying I'm not feeling this this doesn't feel right anymore there's a process in that and I've discovered that that's actually heartbreaking it feels like a breakup it feels like a heartbreak so it's like I'm not only saying goodbye to these people I'm saying goodbye to that kind of person and there's this fear that like oh my god are you going to replace it are you going to give me better are you going to surround me with better the people that I ignored or or wasn't so kind to or, or wasn't so or I wasn't so attentive to them because I was pursuing these people that I'm used to or that I want in my life will they forgive me I have some friends that I'm like, oh my gosh, one of them listens to this. He's, he's like my, he's the stand. You know what? When we do the live show, he's going to come up and make a speech. He got to, no, you got to make a speech, sir. It's like, oh yeah, I need to message that person. I need to call this person. I need to call that person. And then I don't, but it's like, I've made time. I made time for so many other types of people. Um, there's a backlog. There's a backlog of emotions. Like I said, it's it's hard for me to express how I really feel because it's like, it's too painful. You know, like who wants to, to think about how they feel, express how I f- they feel, but there's a feeling of heartbreak. Like yesterday I was having a conversation with my therapist about this and a lot of these like friendships endings or whatever things ending or like me saying goodbye to those kinds of people were months ago, but I did not address them because I'm like, this is too much. This is a lot. But yesterday I just came home and I just felt heartbroken. I've never had a heartbreak. Did I have a heartbreak? I don't think I broke anyone's heart because I don't think anyone that I've been with genuinely loved me enough to be heartbroken. It may have been their pride, but I've been heartbroken in other ways and it felt like a heartbreak. I was like, oh my gosh, I just went to my room. I just closed my door. I was just crying. Like, what is this? But there's heartbreak in saying goodbye to what you're used to. It's not just like bad things it's like things that feel safe because you know there's more you know you know there's more out there and pursuing that so one of the things that are the few things I've been doing recently over the past few days like making peace with my past like you know this is what it was this is what I was used to this is what I was on these are the choices I made this is what felt safe and that's okay it didn't kill me number one and number two there were some good things about my past right and it's it's a whole lot of things combining like different things from my past but like so the choices I made the people I was around the choices I made with my body my eating I look at my pictures from 2022 and 2021 and I think about the person that I was then and making peace with her as well is a big thing right okay 
I binged a lot because of this, this, and this. Okay, I felt like this is in this, but I was also doing this. I also felt like this. We have to come to terms and make peace with our past, regardless of what it is. That makes a heartbreak feel less heavy, and it's also encouraging. It's like, okay, this is who I was. This was a part of the journey. This is what I accepted. I can't accept it anymore. And that toxicity thing is real because there's the part of me that's like, so what am I supposed to do? You're telling me that I'm not going to be arguing with people every other day now. You're telling me I'm going to have to healthily communicate my emotions and not be passive aggressive and not block people. What? You're telling me I can't just say I never want to talk to that person ever again because they made me mad one time. <laughs> like, I have to leave that lifestyle alone. You tell me I can't remember or think about how they offended me on December 1st, 1998. Is that what you're telling me? So it's like, I have to even like, it's like breaking up with that part of me as well. And I thank God for it. It's a beautiful experience, a beautiful journey and it's necessary, but it's like, oh my gosh, you healed people, like fully healed people. God, it seems kind of boring, but then yeah, it's the boring, what is it? The boringness, if that's a word, it's, it's the boringness of it as well that I think about and um, have to accept and I'm excited. Thank you, Jesus. Um, what else have I been having to do? Try my best to process my emotions. Like, even if it's one sentence, I would just say like, you know, I feel sad about this, this, and this. Lord, I feel this, this, and this. Okay, good night. That's all I've got for you today. Have a nice day. <laughs> but expressing how I feel and feeling how I feel, you know, that a lot of times in, in our culture, there's shame with feeling emotions. Oh, at your big age, you're crying. Oh, so you're, you did fear? Are you afraid of this, this, this? There's so much shame with emotions. And I'm not talking about walking down the street and crying. But if you have to walk down the street and cry because you're going through it, then you got to do what you got to do. But we have to move the shame around how we feel, the shame around our emotions, the shame around mistakes we made. Okay, no one has got it 100% right. If they did, they're lying because there's only one Jesus Christ. Okay, feel the shame, feel whatever it is, right? But don't sit in it. And acknowledge that, okay, this is a part of who I am. I didn't know better, so I didn't do better. Now I do know better. I'm not going to make that choice again. I did stumble one time last year, but I'm not going back to that because I know it was this, this, and this. You know what I mean? We have to take off the shame. Africans, we, we have, it's, it's a part of a lot of our cultures. There's that shame. There's that obsession with wanting to get it right. And also, this is where the whole in-between comes in. As a child of immigrants, we have to be perfect. We have to get it right. That's why a lot of times, I think I've said this before, we see people, high achieving people who lack character, like they don't have emotional intelligence. They struggle with like basic accountability, which was a big thing for me. I didn't even know how to process or manage accountability. And still now it's, it's a challenge as well, because I'm like, so does that mean I'm a bad person? Because that's just how things were like criticisms were attacks, right? So we have to just let go of the shame, okay? Whether you believe you want to be a soft parent or whatever, soft parenting or whatever, it really doesn't matter. Like if we want things to be healthy for the next generation and for the rest of our lives, let's take the shame off. Like we did it. We allowed it. We accepted it. We were the one, we were the perpetrators, okay? We were the villains because we're the villain in somebody's story, right? Um, just move on from it. So in terms of validation, I think I've told you guys this before. I had an interesting life. First of all, I'm 28. I feel like I've lived like seven lives. I've done, <laughs> oh God, 
I don't know how to explain it. I've just lived a lot of lives and I'm sure we all can relate. Like if you think of your early 20s till now, if you're in your late 20s, early 30s, whatever, you're like, wow, I've lived a lot of lives. So growing up, um, I was a high achiever. Every club I'm the president of, I'm this and that. But um, I was the problem child. My parents would not say so. They will use their mouth to say it, even though growing up, they would literally say, why can't you be like your siblings, especially my mom? But they won't open their mouth to say that I was a problem child, but they saw me as a problem child. And I will not lie, my approaches were wrong. I modeled approaches that I saw like in our house we yelled like <laughs> if we're frustrated if we wanted wanted someone to get something done we yelled like my mother would yell at us my dad would yell I mean that's what they grew up seeing that's just what they saw right it's like it's the norm you yell like especially when we're teenagers it's like asking questions you get yelled until you stop asking questions. But I was just not the type to stop asking questions. If there was something that wasn't right or just did not sit right with me, I was going to ask questions. And these people are like, this girl, even my grandmother, like this particular girl, Hawahala is much. So my teenage years, accountability, I will admit my approach was not the best. But again, I was a teen, but still, you know accountability was a big thing so I spent a lot of my early 20s you know I did the grad school did all of those things trying to prove to people and it wasn't just my my family that was critical of me I had friends who I grew up with who were critical of me I will never forget one of my friends well we're not friends anymore but at the time this friend goes we're talking about marriage I think jokingly or something and the friend goes your husband will suffer I said first of all I reject that in Jesus name I don't pray that for your husband, but I reject that in Jesus' name. But comments like that. I had a friend also say, they, they don't even really like you. They're just scared of you. Um, so you don't realize how those things get into your psyche until you do. And then you spend your time trying to prove that you're not a mean person. You're not this or you're not that. And then you start tolerating BS. I took I tolerated a, a lot of nonsense from, from people who... Um, you know, a lot of the people who were critical, I spent a lot of my time trying to prove to them like, no, 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 I'm not who you think I am. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But at that point, they first of all, they already had their narratives about me. Um, they already had their thoughts and opinions about me and not much was going to change or shake that. And I refused to accept that. Right. I'm like, no, I can change their thoughts about me. I will finally be good. I will finally be accepted. A lot of my life. I spent a lot of time being accepted, trying to be accepted, trying to fit in, um, just trying to not be, how do I explain this? Trying to blend in because when I go places, when I, you know, am who I am, when I'm being my true self, I draw attention, good attention, like, oh, I'm feeling your vibe and bad attention. Like, oh, I need to humble her or whatever. Right. But I spent so much time like dumbing myself down, expressing myself in ways that was just not who I was and just not who I am so that I could be accepted. And it's a painful thing when you try so hard to be accepted and that need for and that need for acceptance and validation is constantly not being fulfilled. Um <clears throat> it's hard. It feels like a heartbreak too cuz it's like, eh, what's going to be enough? What's going to make y'all move? The truth is nothing. Nothing, right? Any place, any space where you feel you have to prove a point constantly is not a safe space. It's not a healthy space. And it's not where you need to be. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are already accepted. You are already loved. 
you are already desired, respected, valued, like you're already all of those things. If you're walking your path with God and you don't know this yet, I'm here to tell ya. You are already all of those things that you want to be from your group of friends or from that man or from society or whatever the case may be. Guys, it took me like 10 plus years to realize it. But I think I said this in a, in a previous podcast that like everything I, I was meant to learn because hey, that one of coconut head, I won't lie. See that one. I'm very determined in my ways. Okay. I don't like the word stubborn, but when the sky is blue, it's going to take a lot to tell me otherwise. But anyway, um, a lot of the things that I should have learned, or I felt, and this is just me being me, like again, controlling my life and my narrative. Cause I also am the type of person that has to be in control. I love control. I love being in control and I love being in control of my narrative and I love it even when it's bad. My my thing, my grapple, is it grapple? My gripe with God was like, I know that you accept me and that you love me and all of these things, but like I want it from these people. Let me write you the list of these people who I want to be loved and accepted by. And I didn't have to consciously say those things, my actions and my attitude towards God and like towards these people and towards myself clearly indicated that. Like it clearly showed, no, I want to be validated by these people. Your validation is cool, God, but this is what I want. And that's a tough thing to say out loud if I'm being completely honest with you. Like, imagine you, you're giving your best and your all to someone or some, yeah, in this case, someone. And they tell you, I appreciate that. Like, I love that. But um, I prefer this. That was the back and forth that I was going on with God. Because it's like, who, when you're used to a certain type of person, when you're used to a certain type of people, you're used to toxicity. Like, I was about that toxic life. It's like, you're too sweet. This is too good to be true. You know, all of those things came up. And um, yeah, I had to loosen my grip and realize that like, yeah, me being in control is not helping. And it's not like, it's not benefiting the healing process. It's actually making things worse because it's just making me collect more bitterness because it's the, no depew. It's It's that thing of like... <laughs> I had to come to that realization and that acceptance that, oh my gosh, Aik, that that's what made me learn the hard way, right? Like, and that's what made me shift. You are constantly seeking validation and acceptance from people and like you're still consistently getting your feelings hurt. You're still consist consistently feeling this void. This is the reality of the situation. Even people who love you cannot validate you 100%. They can't agree with everything that you do and everything you say, Right. You yourself, there's some things that you do that you you question yourself like, uh, was this the right thing to do? You you know what I mean? What what I'm what I've learned and what I'm learning is that validation comes from God. It's God that validates us, right? We accept it or we don't. But like it's easier for, it's easier for us to accept it, accept that validation and and validate ourselves. You know, we want to get to the place where or. I know I want to get to, and I'm sure you do too. You want to get to the place where you can look in the, yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, you know what? This babe, you are great. You've done it good and bad. You are wonderful. Right. Um, and it's so funny. I was just thinking about this as we're talking. I'm like, hmm. there are a lot of things I did to, um, you know, what I perceived as the right path to take. And even though my spirit was telling me, ah, it's not the right path to take for you 
because right is relative, right? But you get little shocks, like when you do the quote-unquote right thing based on, you know, what society has said you should do and also like based on what the people you, you want that acceptance from so badly say you should do. The weirdest thing is overhearing them still complain about that right choice that you made. You're like, oh my gosh, I thought this was right. Here's the truth. The goalpost is always going to shift, okay, as we say. As we say in my area, the goalpost is always going to shift. People know what they're doing. They know when when, when um, they have power over you and when they're, you know, I, w- I don't want to say sadistic, but, you know, when they're, they're not using it for good, okay, when they're on the toxic vibes thing, they're going to shift the goalpost because they can, because they themselves a lot of times are not satisfied or happy with themselves either. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a big, big, big thing you, you have to come to terms with. Um, and this is not to judge anybody who's struggling with, with seeking validation, but even some people I love, I sometimes have to like mentally prepare to hang out with them. Not even like, I have to sometimes mentally prepare to hang out with them because I know they're not seeking my constant validation and reassurance because they need an ego boost it's like no this is just where they are right but me i have to mentally prepare like okay i have to tell them oh no this looks good oh no this is this this." constantly having to validate constant constantly having to if you if we're seeking external validation all the time like 24 7 the people that we're seeking it from even those ones that genuinely love us at times it is exhausting right you have to fill your own cup as well. I, I know that I'm all for like support and moral support and spiritual mental support and all of that. I'm all for that. But do your own too now. Because the reality is that even if people constantly reassure you the people that love you, it's still not going to be enough if you don't accept it, if you don't believe it. I know people who, even me, I'm, I'm sure we've all been there. People tell us, oh my gosh, like you're so intelligent, you're so creative, you're so this, you're like, you move. You're like, you know what I mean? Which is basically that means like, yeah, right. Like BS, like whatever. (sighs) Let's look within guys. Let's look within. I encourage you to look within. If you're struggling with moving forward, if you're struggling with validation, first of all, let me be very clear. I understand. I see you. And I have some speculations as to why or or how or why you're, you're in that space. A lot of times the people who raised us, the people that were around us that we've known for a long time, we've wanted validation from them and they couldn't give it to us. And in some ways, some of them didn't want to. In Nigerian culture, it's very common. It's very much a thing to humble children or to keep children in line, especially if you're a millennial. Um, If you're a millennial older, you heard that. You heard people calling confident children too proud, especially when it was girls. Um... You may have heard growing up, like when you accomplish something, you may have heard someone say, oh, well, that's what you're supposed to do versus congratulations. I I get it. Like it's all building blocks, even something that may have happened two days ago or two minutes before you turned on this podcast. Right. Could shake your foundation, especially if it's not solid. But can I make a case? Can I make a point? You're still going to listen. Right. Okay. This is not a preaching platform, but, but I just want you to think about something. I'm just saying there's someone, someone 
who validates you, who loves you, who accepts you for who you are, regardless of what you said or what you did. Okay. Don't really care what the preachers are saying about, you know, this and that. There's someone that really, really loves you, really accepts you, like fully accepts you, like fully wants to know everything about you. Well, he already knows, but fully wants you to know everything about who you are so you can learn to love and accept yourself because you're literally already loved and accepted. And I'm just saying, give it a go. Like consider Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Like just think about it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, think about it. I mean, if you're already loved and accepted, why not just, you know, tap in, tap in, tap in and see what it's about. See what it's saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I understand. I mean, even when we think about people who clout chase, if you ask them questions, I don't, you know, I try to avoid clout chasers as much as I understand why they are the way they are. If you ask them questions, these are people who were like, who were outcasts in high school and weren't accepted in high school or you know, weren't accepting their family like the black sheep. So they spend their entire lives trying to show that proverbial cool person or that that family member that, see, I got it. I'm popping. I'm this, I'm that. That's literally what it boils down to. There's something from the past, some kind of experience that has made them obsessed with this external validation. It is what it is. But what are you going to do to break the cycle as painful as it is, can I be honest with you? There's some people you're probably never going to be able to talk to again. There's some people you're going to have to unfollow on social media. There's some lifestyles and some thoughts and some processes that you're going to have to let go of. And even if you're not ready to, let me tell you the truth from my personal experience. By fire or by force, you yourself will say, ah, this one. I'm not feeling it. You will get to the point where you're like, yeah, no, 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 no. Got to bounce. Got to bounce. You're going to get to the point if you're not already there where you want something different and something more. So this is not even a thing of like, oh, it could possibly happen. It's going to happen as you grow. You're going to get tired of certain nonsense. You're going to get tired of of constantly having to prove that you're a quote unquote nice person to that person. You're going to get tired of having to, you know, Pick up someone's call at 2 a.m. to show that you're a loyal and good friend. You feel me? I know you feel me because you've been there. You just got off the phone with a friend who kept you on the phone for four hours about something they're going to go back to do. Like, you know, you're going to get tired on your own if you're not already tired. So that one, just don't even stress yourself. Don't worry about if. It's a matter of when. Just, Just calm down. Take things easy. Your own is to be like, This is who I am. This is me. I accept me. I'm not perfect. These are the things that need work. These are the things that are good about me. I validate myself. I say, you know what? I'm enough. I'm good enough. I'm valued. And walking in that. So that's what I've got for you guys today. I hope you have a beautiful weekend. If you did not know this, she is outside. Your girl is outside (laughs) until 10 p.m. I, I went to... um. My roommates, um, she had a, a, a hangout. It was like a disco bar and it was fun. My dear, my phone died. I just came home. It was only like 11. I had uh, I had invited one of my friends. She was talking to me. I was just sleeping. I kid you not. It was like 11.15. She's like, okay, um, you know, I'm just going to go. I'm like, oh, sorry, please. I, please, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can hang, but not after 11 p.m. 
Um, but yeah, I hope you have an incredible weekend. Oh, that even reminds me. So on Sunday, if you live in New York and you have not been to the Brooklyn Museum, please go. But here's a disclaimer. If you're not into museums that don't steal art from like African and Asian countries, you're not going to like the Brooklyn Museum. They, um, their art acquisition and curation is like solely based on, Hey, I will buy this from you. Hey, you own this. I'm buying it. If you're into stolen art, you're not going to like Brooklyn Museum. You might find it boring. You might find it too small. But if you're, you know, into supporting artists, like the actual owners of the art, then go to Brooklyn Museum. <laughs> They're having this exhibition on African fashion. Um, basically, the globalization. So the, the history and the story and then the globalization of, of African fashion and really who owns African fashion. Of course, there's going to be lots of Ankara. I already know. But I'm excited. I'm going with my friend. It's going to be good. And I think the, exhibi the exhibition is until September. So if you ever come to town, go to Brooklyn and go to the Brooklyn Museum. Brooklyn Museum. Feel free to sponsor me. Okay. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening take care of you please 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 take care of you let me just tell you the truth let me let me close with this i close i've closed like seven times you already know this about me you are here in this time in this generation in this moment for a reason there's something that the world would not have if you didn't exist if you are not here right now i'm not saying this you already know me it's not about sugarcoating it's the reality of the situation you're already enough. You're already intelligent enough, beautiful enough, powerful enough, capable enough. You already have all that it takes. And the reality of the situation is that if you didn't, people wouldn't be so like critical and, and hard on you. They see the light in you. They see what you have. And it's really not them. If you want to get spiritual, you know who it is. You know who and what it is that wants to silence you and stop you. But you're here today listening to this, living life, pushing through for a reason. So let that hold you over. Even on the, like, when, you know, through this journey, even when you find yourself alone or not, let that hold you over. The reality of the situation is that you're not a mistake. You're here for a reason. You're loved. You're valued. You are important. You matter. You matter. In the grand scheme of things, in the, the tiny scheme of things, like, it's just the reality of the situation. And I hope that holds you over until we speak again in two weeks. Bye for now. Take care. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Stay well, stay beautiful, stay you in between now and when we meet again. Bye for now.